0: Welcome to Career Central with Lorraine Beeman. In this program, you will hear from career management experts who will provide guidance and strategies to help you advance or change your career. Now, here is your host, Lorraine Beeman.
1: Welcome to Career Central. I'm Lorraine Beeman, your host of an hour totally committed to helping you achieve your career goals by providing strategies you can implement immediately. Our guest today is Jeff Seip, an expert on preparing people for interviews. For a lot of us, interviewing is the most challenging part of a job search. Suddenly, it is you and the interviewer, and you have 30, 45, maybe 60 minutes to convince this person you are the one they want to hire. Converting an interview into an offer is so much more than just giving the right answers to the questions asked. It is estimated that only about 15% of hiring managers' decisions are based on the answers a candidate gives. Jeff is going to talk about the other 85% that makes the difference between an offer and that very polite email that says another candidate has been selected. So I am so delighted to welcome Jeff to our show. Welcome to Career Central.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, it, it is a total pleasure. Um, Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your career path, what you went through to get where you are today?
2: Lots of recruiting and lots of conversations. So about 12 to 13 years of recruiting experience. Uh, My big claim to fame was I spent five years at Google corporate headquarters uh, in Sunnyvale and Mountain View. And I went online and I I saw a YouTube video. This was back in October of 2018. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And the video wasn't giving good career advice. And I thought, oh, I can do this. So I threw on a hat. I was living in Maui at the time. I went on to a windy Lanai. It, I was snotty. The camera angle was terrible and the video was terrible. But I kept going and, and a few people have found me and, and really, really just enjoy giving a little bit of a different lens, some different advice to people. And that's, that's how we got here today.
1: Well, I'm one of the people that found you and love your advice. But before we let you scoot right past that, you were a recruiter because we get so much good information from recruiters because you were the folks that sit on the other side of the desk. So as you sat on that other side of the desk at Google, which is a target company I know for lots of people, what impressed you about candidates? What made a candidate stand out?
2: Great question. You know, for me, everything is about communication skills. And so all the other stuff was really less important how they interacted and engaged with me was very important and that they treated me seriously. They treated me as though I was a part of the process and they weren't just trying to get past me to the next stage because a lot of people wouldn't show up even for Google, they just wouldn't show up, they wouldn't show up on time, they weren't prepared and you wanna be prepared for everybody. So really communicating strongly and actually being on time and respecting that recruiter are, are three real keys to success.
1: Just, you know, reflecting on that, can you think of like one candidate that stood out as being really impressive and maybe without, you know, revealing any personal information, kind of tell us what that experience was like on your side of the desk?
2: Yeah, so uh, I will tell you that I was lucky enough to be impressed on a weekly basis. Um, You know, speaking with a lot of high caliber, very impressive people. What always impressed me was not only the good communication skills and showing up on time and all that stuff, but it was the gratitude piece. Somebody who's very grateful and kind and appreciative of your time. And obviously that's a item that is transferable, but just showing that high level of gratitude, here's what's gonna happen. If you're gracious and kind to your recruiter, that is going to pay off, especially at the end of the process, come to negotiation. And we we'll, we can talk more about that later, but they will be in your corner. They will fight for you. They will battle for you. It's a huge thing. So the graciousness and kindness is just another thing that I think is really, really important.
1: Okay. So we're going to be working to build that relationship with our recruiter. That could be that first person on the phone. We meet the, the recruiter, either internal, external, building that relationship. Um, Let's move on then, you know, to actually talking about the interview, because I know in your, you shared earlier, there's lots of advice out there on how to answer questions. You and I both see clients that come to us with this idea of how you should answer a question, and you have gone beyond how to answer a question specifically to developing a methodology for answering questions. And Can you share that with us?
2: You have two methodologies specifically that I really like, and then we can, we can talk more about the soft skills. But the basic methodologies, the vast majority of companies, it's behavioral questions. So you so everybody just needs to understand that if you go in and answer those questions using the STAR method, you're going to have a really great success because it will keep you structured and organized. And I like the STAR method where we add a little bit more of learnings and we have prompted follow up questions. Sometimes that information will be important, sometimes it won't. For open-ended questions, this is a lot of the fear, especially at some of the bigger tech companies. I know Google this one fears. There's a lot of fear around this. The CFS methodology, what does that mean? Clarify, framework, solution. So we're really getting organized. We're making sure the question is very clear. The framework is just a very mild, general, high-level setup of what we're gonna cover in our answer. And then the solution is really focused on one of those framework concepts at a time and really drilling down and wearing the hat of the role. I have found that the CFS method works really, really well in these open ended questions. And a lot of the guidance from these organizations is that you clarify the frameworks component really comes from consulting interviews and then the solution is more common sense. It's really about building that strong connectivity with your interviewer and that's what you do by wearing the hat of the role.
1: For those of us that are listening that might not know that term open-ended, can you give us an example of an open-ended question and then um, maybe how you would coach somebody to answer it?
2: Absolutely. So with open-ended questions, typically there's a few ways that open-ended questions start. Um, One is going to be a how type of question, like how would you do X. Then it could be what would you do? And then the last one is, I want you to imagine. So they're setting up a scenario. So a really basic one that I like is, how do you uncover issues and solve for them? It's about as generic as possible, It casts a really wide net. So the, there's a few things I'd like to know before I answer that question. Are these brand new issues or existing issues? Have I ever faced them before? Have I ever encountered anything like this in the past? Who? Who is involved with these issues, internal stakeholders, external stakeholders? Are they from marketing, legal, sales? I'd also want to understand where we're at in the journey of the issue. So is this issue just come to my attention? It's been an issue for a little bit of time. It's been an issue for a long time. Those are some basic questions. Understanding the timeline and connectivity to it in terms of who and and whether we've seen it before can be really valuable. The framework of solving that issue might be something as simply as we want to understand what are the goals and objectives for solving this issue? What's that historical data that's really telling us can we build off a similar use case or a similar item to help us understand that historical data? And then we'll look at some other things like risk to assess the risk of the issue and who might be the stakeholders involved. That could be a really simplistic framework. Then in the solution, if I'm diving in and wearing the hat of the recruiter role then instantly I'm going to make a couple of assumptions. I'm going to assume that the issue is across the board with maybe hiring managers and it's creating a a good way to become a trusted advisor with hiring managers. Then I'm literally going to pick one of those items, let's say it's risk, and then we're going to drill down and really talk about the risk in that scenario. So, We're building massive levels of connectivity by clarifying, showing that we know our stuff with the framework, and then really drilling into the weeds and the solution.
1: Yeah, I think wonderful explanation, but encouraging listeners that this is a dialogue with your interviewer. It's not just a, you got a question and then somehow you have to figure out an answer all on your own. You're demonstrating the fact that you know how to ask questions that lead to solutions. Is that pretty much what you're you're encouraging people to to do?
2: Yeah, and one of the fun things about clarifying questions that people maybe miss a little bit is that clarifying questions are actually data. And so what do I mean by that? It means that if you're asking either or, or yes or no questions, so so the preferred questions to an open-ended question, you are actually showing your interviewer that you know how to explore this type of item, challenge, whatever it might be. So clarifying questions aren't just questions to uncover. They're actually showing a knowledge base at the same time. So there's a really good duality there. Um, There's a lot of positivity there. But either or or yes or no questions, we do not want to ask clarifying questions that are open-ended. You're basically asking the interviewer to answer the question for you.
1: Okay. Great. Um, let's just jump back. Some of our, our listeners are brand new to the career search. So let's just touch a little bit on behavioral questions so that sure. um, folks understand that and the, the style.
2: OK, so behavioral questions. There's really two major ones that you're going to hear. Tell me about a time when or provide an example of. It's any question that is specifically targeting a time in your career where, we're, where we have to answer the question. So. Why is the STAR method so impactful and it's the most widely used methodology for behavioral questions? Because we have to know the situation. So I like to combine the situation and task, just a few basic items. I want to know your role in company, just that foundational knowledge. I want to know what was the item? Who was the client? What was the strategy? What was the process? And then what was the one or two or three things you were trying to solve for? It sets a really nice tone for the rest of your answer. It should be short, maybe like 30 seconds. Then the actions really define what we do. So what do I mean by actions? What do we really mean? So there's a couple ways to do this. We can step away from the question and say, what were the three or four items where I really contributed? That's a nice high level. Then I want you to think about the whole plan right so what did you start with which is usually research and you're having some conversations you continue to have those conversations you start to do some stuff then you test whether the stuff you're doing works and then you launch it or present it those are basically the general actions couple things to keep in mind with actions are no you're telling a story but you're telling a story by saying what you did so not a lot of additional context more focused on doing actions And be specific. If you say you met with Bob, Sue, and Jane, I need to know, did you whiteboard? Did you present? Were you in a room? What were the questions you asked? I just want to get a visual for you. And then the results answer the question. So the first result actually answers the question. And then the repeatable stuff. Did you document it and share a process across the entire organization? Did that one relationship with XYZ Corp lead to five other relationships that were bigger deals. So the repeatable stuff is really critical. And then if you can add learnings, high level snippet of what you learned, and then follow up questions would come in if it was a very complex answer and you had to go quickly through items, you would follow up on specific items. If you use follow up questions, just massive specificity in those questions.
1: Fantastic. So I just wanna emphasize for our listeners is, the technique that jeff is saying you you build a picture so that the interviewer can really see the scope uh, that at which you're working and the people you interacted and really what happened i think a lot of people get nervous and go right to the the action part in other words this is what i did i was very successful and you know in a void nobody can measure what what the impact that would have on the company that you're working work for, or the company that that you will work for. So, thank you for clarifying those two methodologies. Um, hope people that are listening took notes. Remember, if not, you know you can you can replay this and um, and take notes because those are two wonderful approaches. I think so many people try to memorize the answers to questions where it's really all about the strategy and sort of having that that database of information as you as you respond. So that. Great, great tips. Um, we started the show, they're talking about that only 15% of a hiring manager's decision is based on the answers to questions. So you've even touched more about that, you know, engaging the interviewer, which I know is, is part of that 85%. But let's go into that 85% and really focus on those aspects of the interview that impress an interviewer, make them want to to give the offer and that are not having the right answer to the question.
2: Okay. So, um, there's so much to unpack and uncover here. So maybe I'll, I'll go one piece at a time, but you you know, let's actually, let's kind of really focus in on the world we live in today. So many of the interviews are still being done via video. And when your interviewer comes on camera, if you are not smiling and excited and engaged it, you're instantly going to lose points. And so I know it's kind of, oh, there's so much stress and anxiety with the interview, and I get it. But the body language piece is going to be more critical than anything you do. So if your shoulders aren't back, head up, and you're not beaming with a huge smile when they come on to the camera, look, it's going to be a foundationally bad place to start. All the data, the science, the information tells us that many times our interviewers have made the decision in the first 30 seconds to a minute. So what does that mean? It means that throughout the rest of the interview, they're either going to try and confirm and give positivity to your answers because they liked you right away, or they're going to try and confirm the negative piece of why your answers are not as great. So win them over right in the beginning. That would be a huge tip. I have clients come on video and they look not very happy, and I always coach them. I say, if we're meeting for the first time, like, come on, have a beaming smile. It's gonna be really, really impactful. So this is just one area. And people think, let's stay just connected on kind of the eye contact piece. Even if your eyes don't necessarily look like they're looking directly at the camera, if you're looking at the person and you keep your eyes in a consistent place, that's also gonna be really powerful via video one place instead of looking all around because that can show them that you're really not engaged in looking at them. Those are two high level places to start. Let me pause there and throw it back to you.
1: Okay. Um, This is great. And I love it because uh, that first impression, you you know, when we're in the physical world in the office, we're sitting in the reception room, we can think about it but what you're saying is camera goes on and, and you are on. And again, in the world of Zoom, our body language is really shoulders up, chest up. And so it's all about the face and it's all about the eyes. So, yeah, and I I can just totally agree with you. And um, let's talk a little bit um I smile and all of that. I know you and I before we started had um, we not, we kind of fixed our background so they would look mm-hmm. good on Zoom. Why don't we just touch briefly on that background? Um, because again, sometimes in the middle of a pandemic, we just have our laptop where it wherever it is, turn it on and think, oh, here we're going to meet with our friends. So,
2: yeah. So there are a few critical items. One is that. The biggest one that I don't think is discussed enough is the way the light comes in on your face. And so, yeah, like even as we're having this conversation now, I have a slight bit of a shadow on one side of my face. But the biggest thing is that the light comes in on your face and that your eyes can be seen because the connectivity really in our body language builds with our eyes. Um, So I want really good lighting. And even if you're in a rainy place like Seattle where you have to have the lights on, just make sure that that the lighting is coming in on your face so your eyes can be seen clean background if i see a messy background first of all i'm not listening to you i'm just wanting to organize all everything around you because that's my personality and it just shows i'm going to trigger that to disorganization in the job so that's gonna be really, really powerful and impactful too. So it's lighting, it's background, and then understand the the power of sitting versus standing. Some people are fine to sit. Some people know they're more powerful standing. Uh, Some people will need the duality. So sometimes you're gonna wanna utilize a whiteboard behind you, which can still be done, but you're gonna to wanna to have that set up, sitting to standing, so it can be really tricky, but lighting is, is paramount and then clean background. Just, you can have stuff in the background, just don't distract me with it.
1: Fantastic, so cameras come on, smile, eye contact, a positive looking background, something that reinforces that you're organized. Um, love the tips. We're going to take a really quick break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to dig deeper um, into all of that nonverbal stuff that makes a difference in terms of your getting an offer. So hang in with us and we'll be right back.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Are you worried your job will end Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career Transition Specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back to Career Central and our conversation with Jeff Sipe. We are so lucky to have him sharing with us today um, all about those nonverbal parts of the interview that really, really make a difference. And when we were on break, um, Jeff was talking about That relationship with the camera and actually we had somebody talk about the relationship with um, the microphone. So Jeff, I'm going to turn it back to you. Let's let's continue down this path about how to make friends with your with your camera.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so one of the items that I realized we didn't mention and I've actually never spoken about this is It depends on the organization, right? So we're using zoom a lot. So if you actually click into your view button and set it up. If you're using zoom, for instance, in gallery view you can put the interviewer the person you're speaking to at the top why is that important because we actually want to narrow our screen down and make it a thin line so that when we're looking at the person they're very very close to the eye angle of the camera and this is what i do with all my clients and so it looks like i'm really looking at them i don't have them in the middle or down on the side they're right by the camera so i can engage interact and build that personal relationship without having to stare above them so whatever it is whether it's google meets or zoom or skype or any of these platforms you can set it up so it's a top to bottom structure and put the person you're speaking with at the top, so they're very, very close to that camera angle.
1: That is a fantastic tip because one of the things we were saying is that everything on the on line says oh look at the camera look at the camera but then you're you, you want to make contact with uh, the person you're talking to so naturally you look at their eyes mm-hmm. and I think what you're saying is by putting them a place where looking at their eyes is great but then you're also um looking into the camera so that I think that just makes it more comfortable if we're trying to look at a human than than look at that <sighs> little spot um we had a, also a question during the um the break about making friends with your microphone and people that are are seeing us on this tape see that we both have microphones in front of our face and and you have um, headsets on and I think sometimes again it's a different world we're so used to showing up at an office and interviewing with somebody that we forget that we want people to hear us and so why don't you talk about microphones and and all of that
2: Yeah. And so it's kind of an interesting concept, right? So I use the Blue Yeti and I I got some really good advice today that I am going to definitely use moving forward, but most of us are not going to have this professional mic. So what does that mean? It means that we need to make sure that we're using some simple, simple stuff that's going to work. So I like many people have said, why don't you get AirPods? And it's like, well, I know that if my buds are plugged in to my computer i am not going to have failure and so i've seen many people with airpods to have or the wireless have challenges it doesn't mean you're going to have challenges 98 percent of the time it's going to work great but if you can be plugged in wired in it's going to be really beneficial you also want to test it with a friend like what is going on here how does my voice sound does it sound okay is my mic actually broken and then last thing, we should talk about this fast.com or speedtest.net. If we're talking about video interviews, we've talked about all this stuff in the setup, test your internet speed. Usually you need at least a five or a six Mbps to get zoom quality video. That's a really low number though. You really wanna be at least at 20 or 30. And if you're going into the interview process, you might just wanna think about upgrading. Usually, the, usually a massive upgrade is about 10 additional dollars per month, and it will make a huge impact. You do not want to have any technical difficulties. The other key piece, sit next to your router. Just sit right next to it. The closer you can get to it, the better, and or you can hardwire in. People forget that you can do that. But for many of us, that was our life for a long time, and, and you can hardwire in to guarantee less drop-offs.
1: Fantastic advice, because again, you know, we're so used to, you know, FaceTiming with a friend or something who, you know, knows us, knows who we are, fills in the spaces, but you're meeting somebody for the first time, positive impression, they need to hear you, avoid freeze-ups, and all of that. Um, We've touched a little bit, but let's continue on to body language, Um, especially now, because we see everybody, like, from the shoulders up, mid-chest up, we don't have, well, I'm moving my hands right now, but we don't have that hands. we don't have you know, some of the things that we count on when we're, you know, person to person, face to face. So how do you coach people to make that positive body language impression when we're on Zoom?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I think we've all seen the ads for these um, items that keep us straight, like keep us (laughs) up. And I would say, If you tend to be somebody who slouches, it's a really important item to have. I keep thinking about buying one. Uh, But really having your shoulders back and head up, it, it exudes positivity. And we are. We're shoulders and above. This is kind of where you want to be. You don't want to be way up and like right in here and you don't want to be too far away too it can create some funky camera angles so shoulders and above is a really great way to do it but head up shoulders back and then obviously with the eye contact and people are very scared to use their hands my commentary is don't be especially if your interviewer sue it's like uses her hands a lot, mirror Sue and use your hands a lot too. Um, so somebody who does use their hands, bring your hands into the conversation a little bit more. And that's the other piece. We wanna think about body languaging from a mirroring perspective. We are going to do it naturally. We naturally buy, we naturally mirror about 90%, but just have an awareness. Does the person lean in a little bit, lean in a little bit? If they um, like to smile a lot, smile more than you normally do really look for those cues of what they're giving off that's a, that's very very critical as well
1: okay so okay to use your hands gotta be careful though because if your hands get too close to the screen you you have monster hands so yes yes <laughs> yes okay um any other tips on on body language
2: no no i think that um we can we can move on to a couple of other subjects that are still not words based but i think those are the simplistic items for via video which we're really focused on obviously if you're face to face that handshake is critical if you have sweaty palms make sure you find that right powder or something really strong handshake and obviously just exuding confidence. But even in a physical interview, we're really going to want to sit with our shoulders back, no fidgeting, none of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Before we move on, because I do, we have a whole list of topics is let's talk a little bit about dress because again, um, we can, we can wear our sandals, bare feet, shorts, but you know, shoulders up. What are you recommending in terms of what to wear for an interview?
2: Yeah. So this is going to be very industry specific. Like, I I work in, my clients are tech. So because they're tech, uh, it's a business casual. Nothing above and really nothing below, but they can actually skew a little bit below and be in like a t-shirt like me. I recommend just stepping it up a little bit, but know the industry. If you're going for banking, hey, yeah, you gotta be buttoned up. Now it can be a party on the bottom. <laughs> be a video right but we gotta have on a suit and tie and and same for women they would want to really be in that nice power suit right if it's banking but if it's tech it's casual the number one thing to think about with dress is ask the hiring manager ask the recruiter whoever your point of contact is they're going to be your best resource but listen to them and here's why when i was at google everybody pretty much dressed down i remember this one candidate and i said look business casual at the high end. He came in in a three-piece suit. He came from the East Coast and I, I, I get it. He looked fantastic. He didn't get the job. And one of the things was he didn't listen, which was an, an, an indication of just a, a challenge area. But it also goes back to mirroring. If I'm wearing a t-shirt and you're wearing a three-piece suit, we're already, we already have a little bit of misalignment so it's going to be industry just ask your recruiter or hiring manager or point of contact but um if we're going to step it up just step it up a little bit you don't want to overstep the bounds especially for tech for example you just don't want to be wearing a jacket and a tie that uh, it's just it's too much
1: okay great 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 advice because again very easy to be casual at home but on on the other hand what you're saying is is try to match your interviewer and what i really want to emphasize what you said is ask and listen that our you know, recruiters are our friends because they really want to get this job filled with the candidates so they can move on to something else. They are not trying to put barriers up. They're trying to, to move forward. So thank you for all the information on that body language. Let's keep moving to some of the other things that you think are really important.
2: So let's talk about, let's do, there's a few items. There's, there's pitch, tone, and pausing. And then there's positivity. So what do we mean by pitch, tone, and pausing? Um, Pitch and tone, it should be pretty even. You want it to be even and a little bit slower because in an interview, we wanna make sure that our interviewer is capturing all of our words. It's very common that they're typing out all your answers now. So a little bit of slowness is good. Now remember, we're mirroring. So if your interviewer is fast, 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 we're gonna go fast, fast. Uh, slow, slow, we're gonna slow them down. Yeah. So a nice even pitch and tone, the pausing component. Oh, so sorry, let me go back to pitch and tone. Mm-hmm. A little bit of inflection, right? When we ask a question, we're gonna go up a little bit, just be having awareness of that and then pausing. Like you mentioned earlier, Lorraine, um, we wanna build in space for our interviewers. We wanna make it a conversation. So as you see Lorraine and I, or here. Lorraine and I talking, we're building in space for each other. To just say our piece and then we're going to pause and we're going to have a heavier pause sometimes let's go back to open-ended questions if we if we group a few clarifying questions together and we ask them we can't have a one second pause we need to have maybe a four five six second pause we just threw a lot of information at our interviewer sue so we just got to build in those pauses actually your pauses will probably have more impact than your words in an interview and that's a very hard thing for us to imagine, but it's true. Let's flip over and talk a little bit about positivity in our words. So this means we avoid all negative words, all of them. This takes a lot of training and effort. A word like problem, opportunity. Anything negative, it's its a fantastic challenge. It's this opportunity, it's growth. So even like oh, the weakness question, tell me about Tell me about your weaknesses. It's an area, for, an area of growth for me is, flipping it to positive words, you'll see a change in their body language, an uptick in their body language. Do not allow their negative words to bring you down. So even if they ask you a conflict question, an opportunity to build a better relationship with an external client was, and you dive in. I love the positive words piece.
1: I l- love coaching someone when they'll bring to me and they'll say, well, you know, I have 90% of what they need, but I don't know how to do this, or I haven't done this. And that it leads to that, well, I don't have any experience. So how do you coach someone to answer that question in a very positive way?
2: Oh, I, I don't want to hire the person who has all the experience. Why? They'll be bored. I, if I have responsibilities, minimum qualifications, preferred qualifications, I don't want them. Uh, They know how to do the job. They're going to get bored very easily. I would always prefer to hire somebody who's has about 70 to 80% of the skill set. I want them to come in, grow, learn and provide that very unique and exciting lens. Everybody has a lens. And if you come in not knowing every component of the job, it's more motivating and exciting. So I, when I see 100% matches, I think, oh, why are you transitioning from your company to this role? Like, what are the reasons? Because it's the same job.
1: Yeah. So let's say that somebody it comes to you terrified, and that's usually my clients are just terrified that they're gonna be asked this question and that they really have never done X. How do you help them structure the answer to that question?
2: Okay, so let's take a quick step back and talk about the power of our breath. So so much anxiety with these interviews, right? Everybody has anxiety and you, sh- you should have stress. Stress is positive, but we shouldn't be so stressed out. So just taking one deep breath and you can take that deep breath without actually doing anything without your interviewer seeing it, especially if you're on video, is gonna be really impactful. So when we get a question that we can't answer, we're gonna start to clarify a little bit. So we can ask some follow-up questions just to uncover what they're looking to get at, what they wanna uncover. But when we don't know the answer to a question, we wanna work with our interviewer a little bit. We wanna make it conversational. And then ultimately, if they say, well, can you just solve for this? You could say, Sue, and my fake interviewer's always Sue. (laughs) Um, So we could say, Sue, You know, I've never actually worked with Go before, but I am a Python expert. And what I'd love to do is share that example of how I learned Python really quickly, because I think a lot of the ways that I learned Python quickly are gonna be transferable to how I might learn Go quickly, for example. So we're really talking about a time where we learn something quickly or we're, we're pivoting a little bit, but we have to go through that exploration with them and just know, not having the perfect answer to every question is okay. It's not, we're not trying to get a 100% score in these interviews, 80 to 90% and you'll beat most of your competition.
1: Fantastic advice is explore what they're really looking for and then give an example of something that you do that is parallel to, to what they're seeking. Fantastic advice. Um, I don't think anybody should ever say, I don't know how to do this. I, You know, we always have something from our experience that we can pull up that's similar. Because if you've gotten to the point where you've been asked for the interview, they know you have the potential. You just need to have an opportunity to share. And that was a perfect example of saying, well, I don't know this, but I know that. But without saying the don't, Let me tell you about how I learned this. We are going to take a very short break. Then we're going to come back and continue our conversation with Jeff and um, dig deeper into the nonverbal. And especially we want to talk um, about that gratitude, that emotion, that how do you engage the um, interviewer. So stick with us and we'll be back and continue our conversation with Jeff.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
3: Are you worried your job will end? Is there someone in your life who is facing a layoff? Career Transition Specialist Lorraine Beeman has condensed 20 years of experience helping people cope with sudden unemployment into an easy-to-read how-to book, Career Restart practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Knowing how to handle a job loss will help you move into your next job. This book guides you through the restart of your career, from how to prepare for a termination meeting to how to respond to interview questions about your job loss. Lorraine's book offers strategies for moving from terminated to hired. Tap into proven methods for changing the focus from job loss to career success. Career Restart, practical advice for surviving and moving forward after a job loss. Available at Amazon.com. Click the link on the Career Central show page to pick up your copy today.
0: today's Today's Hot Topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Career Central. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, you may send it to Lorraine at interviewtowork.com. That's Lorraine at interview, the number two, work.com. Now, back to Career Central.
1: Welcome back. This is Lorraine Beeman. We're having a wonderful time talking to Jeff Seip this morning. Before the break, we promised that if you hung around and came back, we would talk about positivity. Jeff and I had a little bit of a conversation that your attitude in an interview is so important. If you go in thinking you're not going to be successful, your brain will make sure you're not. If you go in thinking you will be, then you have a greater chance of getting that offer. And Jeff, who's the expert, is going to drill deeper into that, having that positive attitude and maintaining it. So, Jeff, I'm just going to throw it over to you. Talk about being positive in that interview.
2: So... Yes. Let's start with the foundation. Self-belief is the foundation. And if you don't believe us, just go online. Uh, My wife showed me the rice study. Are you familiar with the rice study? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're not aware of the rice study, it was basically... (laughs) speaking negative thoughts to rice and positive thoughts to rice. We're literally talking about rice and what that rice looked like after two or three or four weeks. And the, the rice that was not spoken to positively uh, didn't look as good as the positively spoken to rice. And it seems like a ridiculous analogy, but self-belief is the foundation. And I can tell you personally, my career was not fantastic pre-Google. Before I interviewed for Google, I knew I was going to get the job. Why? Because I just believed I had put in a lot of hard work and time. And the culmination of all the years I had spent working, I knew it was the time for me. And that translated really well in the interview. So we got to believe. So how do we put this into practice? Well, Tony Robbins is big on incantations. And so we're just going to kind of repeat to ourselves, like I I got this. I can do this. I've done this time and time again. I've I have the experience. I have the expertise. I've practiced really really hard. I've I've worked hard and I deserve it. And just kind of repeating those things over and over again, especially before the interview, will trigger your brain for greater success. And I'll I'll pause there.
1: Okay. Um but I'm going to tap into the fact that you shared with me during the break how you coach folks to understand that an interview is not this isolated conversation that you somehow are different than you are any other time. Um, So share with listeners about how they can tap into their real life experiences that make that preparation or, or interaction during an interview more comfortable.
2: Yeah. So let's, let's put the, Let's put on two separate hats, right? We're going to put on the meeting hat and the client hat. So if you're somebody who engages with external parties, I want to think I want you to think really, well what do those conversations look like? How do they go normally, hopefully positively? But really think about what does that sound like? And typically what it sounds like is a dialogue with questions, with pauses, with space. And that's why it's so critical. And then think about the meeting hat. So we've all had to sit in meetings, and you go into a meeting, you listen, you answer, you question, and so if we say as we go into the interviews, this is a job interview. They're going to ask me questions, and I am going to answer those questions. You're not really setting yourself up for success. You want to go in and say, this is a conversation for me to determine whether I want to take this job and whether they think I'm the right fit. It's both, of course, but we have to go in and say in our head, conversation, conversation, conversation. And it's such a basic tip and people say it all the time and there's a billion hits on Google if you type in interview as a conversation. Well, there's a reason for that number of hits. Um, it's because it is a critical facet for success.
1: I love that advice that, again, uh, moving away from the fact that it's it's not an inquisition, it's not a test, it is a conversation during which the two people figure out if they want to work together which is really rather than you know can you answer these questions you know can i can i work with you um any other advice on interviewing just
2: yes yes absolutely so let's talk about we say that words aren't so important so it it's not it is your words are important of course it's a very small percentage but let's get back to the positivity piece You cannot say anything negative in an interview. So even when we think about the worst conflict that we've had in our career, what did you learn from it? Think about all those positives that happened. You're never going to have that kind of negative interaction with Jane, your coworker, ever again, because you uncovered all these steps you could have proactively taken. And you probably do proactively take those steps now. So don't There's no bad mouthing. This goes all back to positivity. We use positive words. We look at everything as a learning opportunity. There's no bad mouthing ever, right? So that's going to be incredibly key. I think also, you know, with a lot of my clients, I am coaching them on the gender item. If we always assume that the CEO is a he or the salesperson is a he, it creates an instant spike for me. And I have to stop with my client and say, Look, we live in a world of he's and she's, and um, people who, you know, are who do, don't address themselves that way. But it's really, really critical that we are not gender specific throughout our entire conversation. That's a one. That's one. And then the last one in terms of words is avoid spike words. Swearing's not the right. It's not the right time in an interview. Just remove your swears. Um, remove anything that feels spiky anything that's that's going to be a little bit questionable don't say it remove it because if you say it if you feel like there's a little bit of a spike there might be a major spike for your interviewer
1: great great advice tapping into tony robbins one of the things that we do and and he advises is that when you're going to change a habit or something do it immediately to start down that path and so we ask each of our guests to give our listeners a five second challenge something they can do as soon as the show ends or as soon as it's safe for them to do something that will help them um, begin a career advancing skill. And so what would you like to challenge our listeners to do?
2: Wow. I think we mentioned this and I forgot, but I'm going to say the most powerful and impactful change that I made in my life that I would think would positively impact everybody is ownership. Mm -hmm. Take ownership for everything many of the things in our lives we control. We can only control how we respond to things. So take ownership for everything and your life will be fantastic if you take that step. So that's my five second ownership for everything. And by the way, that is hard.
1: Yes. But it I love it because it's something that as soon as this podcast is over, the next time that something comes up, you take you take ownership, you admit your part in it, and you, and you build your, your career and your self-respect and everything else. I I love that wonderful challenge. We have not had as much time as possible to have all the discussions. And so I know that there's some folks out there who are going to want to reach out to you as a coach, uh, follow you. So how can our listeners find you?
2: Great question. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Our website is practiceinterviews.com. So very simplistic. Why is this important to you? Well, there's a lot of free resources there. Go for the free resources at a minimum. Um, You can find me, all my tags are Jeff H. Sype. So that's my YouTube, my LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Find me on YouTube. I produce on YouTube twice a week. So a live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time and then a new piece of content every Tuesday. So those are a few ways to find me.
1: Thank you for sharing. And um, listeners, it is worth following him. Um, Great, great tips, great advice, great presenter. So I I want to thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. Um, A little bit about next week. Next week, our guest will be Jennifer Thornton, who will um, share strategies for taking fear out of you know, your your job search, your your interactions with other folks. Um, m- many of us have a little voice that tells us we're not going to be successful. I think we, Jeff was just talking about being positive. She's really going to help us dig into how to remain positive and and focused. So it should be a great show. Um, we really um, value your input. So please keep the feedback coming. You can... Um, Share with us your ideas on any platform where you download this show or just send me an email directly at careercentralhost at gmail. That's careercentralhost at gmail.com. You can use the same address if you would like to get a personal notifications about upcoming shows. A reminder that if you or someone close to you is facing a job loss, I want you to check out my book, Career Restart, Practical Advice for Surviving and Moving Forward After a Job Loss. It's available on Amazon, one of the things, and we'll just tap into to what Jeff said, is saying positive and prepared through the entire process. You, you meet that um, HR person, and they're going to lay you off. If you're feeling good about yourself, if you're focused, you can make that a positive experience. And I know that sounds strange, but you can come out of it with a jumpstart start on your job search. I wanna remind you what Jeff said, the five second challenge, absolutely amazing. As soon as this show is over, start taking responsibility for your actions and what you do. It will help you build a much stronger career. So until our next show, this is Lorraine Beeman, encourage you to take care of your career because you are the only one qualified to do it.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Career Central. Be sure to join your host, Lorraine Beeman, for another program next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.